Foodie. 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 From the Not A Foodie Studio, which is a Zoom room in my bedroom and Mike's living room, I guess. It's yeah. Not A Foodie Show. Hey, I am Tom Mialli, your host of the Not A Foodie Show. And with me, as always, is my co-host. It's your boy, Mike Maranti, Mikey Pomodoro, <laughs> Young Prejute, Big Meatball. <laughs> Big Meatball, that's Big a new Meatball. One. Big Meatball is like, that's the, that, that's the illicit little society that tries to get you to stop eating vegetables. It's like, that's <laughs> I go to get my broccoli and they're like, no, you can't have any broccoli. Oh yeah, that's another ploy by Big Meatball to not eat vegetables. Anyway, it's another funny show. <laughs> um, Mike. Like it's been, uh, it's been a bit, like a month. it's been a month. Um, and we're going to try to do these a lot more often now, but you know, life gets in the way. Um, I know what Mike's been up to for the past month. So uh, what's going on, Mikey Pomodoro? Master yeah, of the so we, we did the pop-up residency in Forest Hills. We did every Sunday in February. The first was a snowstorm during Super Bowl Sunday. The second was Valentine's Day, the third was the 21st, and the fourth was the 28th. It couldn't have been better. I want to thank everybody, if you're listening, who came out and supported me. Um, it, the feedback we got was tremendous. Uh, even We even made money, which, which we weren't planning on making any money. <laughs> so that's awesome. Um, and like it, it could not have been a better uh, series of events. That's awesome. And now we're just trying to figure out what the next move is. We we stopped by a couple times. Um, yeah. So one, the first two weekends we were out of town, but uh, the third weekend, the kids were at their grandparents' house. Kristen and I went out the night before and uh, had a few cocktails. Um, went to a, a little bubble friendly, COVID friendly cocktail party uh, at a friend's house, and it was. Uh, it, it was great. It was great. Um, I'm talking about the cocktail party and the hungover food <laughs> from Mikey Pomodoro the next morning. Um, so that was really good. But what really was amazing was the next week when I went with uh, my kids and they just were like, we want everything off the menu. And and I think we pretty much got everything off the menu. Pretty much, yeah. Um, we, we cooked the vegetables at home ourselves. We didn't get vegetables mm -hmm. from you. We figured we're not going to make you cook vegetables. Um <laughs> And, one and it was great. On the it, was, it was great. Yeah. What do you have? String beans. String beans. Yeah. But but it was awesome. Um, there was we got two orders of the spicy rigatoni vodka sauce, mm -hmm. um, and we got one. We got two orders, thinking that there'd be some leftover for one of the kids to take to school the next day. There was no leftover food. We ate it all, and uh, and it was delicious. So I'm looking That's forward wonderful. to see what is coming next from from you. Expanding the menu actually is um it's on the list. We're that was a, a ten item menu. We're gonna go to a fifteen item menu. Nice, nice. And I know yeah, you're looking at spaces, more, you're looking at pop ups, things yeah. like that. Mm -hmm. uh, looking, talking to investors. Or like it's it, it's at like phase A, but it's gonna be like open and running quick. It, it's not like 
I've been working at this so long in my head that like I I know kind of where we're going and we're just waiting for the right pieces to fall into place and to do what makes the most sense. We're not in a rush, but we're we're moving along. Cool. Well, if there's any investors out there that want to invest, um, not even know, that much money. We don't even need. Yeah. We don't need like five million dollars. It's, it's just you know, it's a couple just, of shekels. Yeah, exactly, and and some money to pay off Trump big change. meatball. You got to you got to yeah. got to tribute up to big meatball. Um, <laughs> but Mike, um, I I don't have too much food news to, to talk about. Um, I don't know. There's been a lot going on, and I feel like. We, we did food news when we were doing like weekly radio weekly, shows. Uh-huh. I feel like if we did food news like, like once a month, it would take the whole podcast. So, I mean, I think the one thing that I would like to hear your reaction on is TikTok pasta. Oh, I made it. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I, I couldn't. They didn't have feta, I think, because everyone bought all the yeah, feta. Well, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, that's, so I bought yeah. I bought garlic chev, chevre. Okay. Um. Good. Get, let let yeah. people cook. I, you're never gonna see me dunking on somebody for like going and learning how to cook. Yeah. No. I. I and I. I agree. I'm. I, I also know, wait. I'm side note: My TikTok pasta is ten thousand views. My Pomodoro TikTok pasta, ten thousand <laughs> views. No big deal. Whatever. I mean, as opposed to the ten million views that. Uh, no big deal. Know. I said, okay. Tom. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> The TikTok pasta thing was was crazy because I'm always like, "Did you make it? Did the I kids didn't, say, no, Dad, let's make this?'" No, no, no. They knew of it, but you know, they didn't make it. My my son, we ordered from a Greek place last night, and he had pasticcio um, last night, and he's like, "The Greeks make pasta." I was like, "Yeah, everybody makes pasta. It's, it's just a noodle. It's very. In fact, it's racist of you to think that the only only Great Italians beef. eat noodles. The noodles are Great, noodles are wonton is just a dumpling. Exactly. <laughs> um. So. A ravioli is just a wonton. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so no, so we had that last night, and uh, and he started asking about Greek pasta, and I was like, yeah, there's there's Greek pastas out there, and I mean, I feel like the TikTok pasta thing. I'm not. I'm fascinated that people were um, so engaged with it that it created a craze. Because I was like, oh, that's yeah, okay, that's fine, um, that's good. I, you know why though? It's it's something that's not hard to do that looks really impressive and tasty on me. Like yeah. the first one that I saw, I was like, oh, they, you know, if these people knew how to like really cook, they would add a little bit of pasta water in there and it would be even better. Yeah. And that that's what I did when I made it. <laughs> but I didn't post it or anything. I just made it. Yeah, no, and, and everybody made it. People that don't really cook for themselves. And I was, I was surprised because people that I see that do cook for themselves a lot made it. I think they were just curious because yeah, they had never done it before, but also people that have never made it. So it was like this perfect combination of um, an easy video that looks cool, mm-hmm. and, but it, it led to a feta shortage. Like you, you couldn't get cheese anywhere. You still can't get feta cheese anywhere. It's crazy because people you are crumbles. You can't get the, the, the big yeah, boy. I mean, you got to get the block. The yeah. block is, is, makes sense. That, that's why I use the chef. Yeah, so if you haven't seen it, go go check out the uh, the TikTok, you know, pasta using feta, what Greek olive, feta or, and no, tomatoes, um, feta tomatoes, feta tomatoes, like, olive you know. oil, and some seasoning. Yeah, yeah, cool. And then you bake it, and then it all melts, and then you add the pasta and you mix it around. Cool, uh, <laughs> Mike. I um, I I want to talk about our our guest for a minute. We've got yeah. a guest coming up. So you and I recorded this a little bit earlier. The guest mm-hmm. spot. Um, 
I think uh, let's let's just play it, and then I'd love to come back and, and talk with you a little bit about it to close out the show. Perfect. Sounds good? Yeah. Cool. All right, so here we go. Here's our, uh, our, our interview today. Roll it. And we're back. And we're back. There's, there's, there's back. no commercials. There's no commercials, though. <laughs> um, so we've got a guest in our virtual Zoom studio. Um, so he is a writer. He lives in Brooklyn. Uh, his work has been featured in the Sierra Club, the All, the Travel Channel, Gothamist, Business Insiders, McSweeney's, a whole bunch of other places. Um, his current book is Wild City, A Brief History of New York in 40 Animals. He is also a friend, a former colleague of mine, a Mets fan, someone who I traveled with uh, to South by Southwest a few times, did a series of videos. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Tom Hines. Hey, Tom. Oh, man. Hey, Tom, how are you? Good, man. It's nice to meet you, Tom. It's good to see you again. Uh, yeah, I, I, I was like, yeah, we're friends, too. I, I like that you got to that part of the introduction as well. <laughs> It took a while. It took a while. Yeah, you know, there. Sounded like this great guy you're introducing, uh, and I wrote his name. Um, <laughs> thank me. you guys so much for having me on uh, on the podcast. I'm a huge fan, and I'm glad you guys are are back up and at it. And uh, I'm really thrilled to be here. So thank you so much. Awesome. Well, thanks for joining thank us. Thank you. I mean, honestly, I um, so I, I, we'll talk about your book, but I was just going through my time hop, and one year ago today was the day that I pre-ordered your book. Oh wow! On Amazon, just so weird, like you know, <laughs> Facebook memory that pops up and. Um, it's, it's a book that like when you and I started to, when you were talking about writing this book, I was trying to figure out a way that we could talk about it on the podcast. Like, <laughs> like I, I didn't know what the book was. I knew you were writing a book about wild animals in New York. I was like, well, I, I mean, I've eaten squab before those are pigeons, right? Like, can we talk, can we find some angle? But then your book came out and th there's a lot about food in new york the food systems oh, yeah. in new york how food used to be consumed in new york um so first of all why don't you just give us a brief description of what the book is sure well again thank you know and i will just say like i we talked last week about doing this but i actually had an email written to you about 11 months ago with the things <laughs> we've talked about so this was on my mind too this is the first opportunity i wanted to, to uh, pursue for sure so uh, Wild City uh, is uh, about the history of New York uh, through its animals and its wildlife. And um, it's kind of like, you know, uh, people kind of ask, like, are you, an, are you an animal person? And I'm like, I'm really more of a New York person. Like, this was really like an excuse to write a book about New York. Uh, and my, my hope is that uh, when people finish reading it, they'll have sort of like uh, a, a much deeper understanding <clears throat> of the history of New York and and you know how this city kind of came to be and how animals really played a part in that and i think for you know one of the one of the things that i was thinking about uh that would work for for our conversations and let me just back up one little bit the book is broken into uh 40 chapters and each chapter is about a different animal is there um, a chapter on possums there's not but there should be because i've seen a possum in brooklyn I grew up in Queens in Forest Hills and we had a backyard uh, and we would in high school smoke a lot of weed back there. And so we were out there one night smoking weed and we heard an opossum kill like a family of birds. Holy And God. like there were like shrieks and then there were no shrieks. Oh my God. 
I mean, are you <laughs> sure that that's what, what happened? I mean, you, any story yeah, that I'm, you prefaced? I, listen, I, like, two oh, of my friends were there. In my backyard? Yeah. yeah what we they weren't hallucinating. Like? We weren't like <laughs> dropping acid in Molly. We were just smoking some weed. Yeah. Know. It was like early 2000s weed. I don't know. What, it, it was, was not was. early 2000s weed, Tom. We're not the same. It was late 2000s <laughs> oh weed. Oh, my God. I, 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 I was going to say 90s weed, and then I, I, grew, I graduated high school in 2010. <laughs> Oh my God. <laughs> All right. So, well, so, no, um, there's not a marsupial uh, uh, in the book, but there should be. I, uh, or not a marsupial, an opossum. I think a possum. It is. is it's the only marsupial in North America. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. It's like, it's one of these. I mean, yeah, it's like, it's kind of crazy that they're kind of like this commonplace marsupial. Uh, I saw one in Brooklyn Bridge Park in Dumbo, um, which is very well trafficked. Much more, I don't know about your backyard, but I think it was more traffic than that. And like, it's just like, <laughs> oh yeah, there's a possum. I mean, I, I and I, I think I do mention there's an epilogue in the book, uh, and it kind of is set in Brooklyn Bridge Park, which is where near where I live, and was like a big inspiration for the book, obviously. Um, and I was saying like, you, all the different animals you can see, you can see an opossum. So an opossum is mentioned, good, uh, good. but not is not featured. And the other <laughs> animals that should have been featured that I really regret uh, are seagulls. I, I've come to really have a begrudging respect for uh, seagulls and like their bad attitudes. Oh my God, uh, they're the assholes sort of, of the air and I love they're, they're, they're respect they're game. total meatheads. And I, I, they, I think they actually come from Massachusetts. So I, I kind of like <laughs> just hear like Pats fans, like that they're just like screaming like how good Tom Brady is in seagull. <laughs> One they are the massholes of the of the birds. Yeah, they really are. They really are. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. Park the car. Park yeah, the yeah, car. Yeah. Tom Brady. <laughs> yeah, just okay. Okay, we get it. Um, so anyway, if we could just do this all day, uh, but <laughs> to, to bring it just back to uh, the food element, the, the I think the, the the best chapter that I have in here as far as like food and New York City's relationship to food is pigs and this is something that i didn't really oh. uh i didn't really know about i thought um, you were gonna say pizza rat sorry to interview pizza rat right. is in here <laughs> pizza rat is in here no doubt i can't write a book in 2020 and not include pizza rat <laughs> uh, new york city wildlife um pizza rat actually has his own full page illustration which i'm uh, i'm gonna show the camera like we're on video um i still want to see it okay yeah well i'll show you <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, so pigs. Here, here's real quick. Here's the here's the pizza rat. Uh, that is we'll just a say, drawing of a rat pulling pizza up uh, subway stairs. That is honestly, exactly I, and pizza I rat. and I do want to talk about pigs because I pigs are also near and dear to my head, and I know a mm -hmm. little bit of the the history. But I will also say that the illustrations in this book are are amazing. Well, They're I, great. Yeah, I would like to shout out Kath Nash who did the illustrations. She did an incredible job, and she was just really great to work with. I mean, there's talented people who are not great to work with and there are great people who are not talented and and she had that rare combination of being both and very timely and just like pleasant and lovely so i if you don't know kath nash uh the book's illustrator I, I i encourage you to follow her um so the so back to pigs and i know pigs are <laughs> sort of the icon of of not a foodie so um what was so like revealing to me is that like upper manhattan and not even upper midtown manhattan like Central Park South to Times Square, uh, West Chelsea, or, or meatpacking. Uh, yeah, no, no, no. Um, Hell's Kitchen. Like, this was all pig farm uh, up until like the 1860s. And people would just like let their pigs out in the, uh, these farmers, usually Irish farmers, would let their pigs roam for their own food 
and the pigs are smart enough to like come home to their pen every night. And that food that they would forage was usually other New Yorkers trash. So pigs actually worked as like this early form of uh, sanitation. Like they were like they, the city didn't have a sanitation plan in the 1800s. You just threw your trash in the street and the pig would turn that trash into protein for a poor family. And it was this, you know, a pretty good deal um, for these poor Irish farmers. Um, and then around around 1859, 1860, Central Park is opening up, which is uh, on the northern side of the pig farm. So like all of Manhattan is developed like south to north, like Wall Street mm -hmm. and up, like that's the history of, of New York. Um, so like development hadn't gotten to like Midtown yet by the 1860s, but 20 blocks north of that, you have Central Park. So you have these downtown aristocrats who wanna go to Central Park and they have to pass through like what is basically called Hogtown and it stinks. And did like, they really call it that? Did they call yeah, it Hogtown? Yeah, yeah, I believe it was Hogtown. Um, and so like, like what would happen a thousand more times in New York City, you know, the nicer. So resonance. this was the first, the first uh, act of gentrification. Yes. Yes. Okay. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. took the okay. right out So gentrification mouth. isn't new. No. Gentrification has been going on since the 1860s, 1890s. Well, I think yeah, and I think probably the, the Lenape uh, Native Americans would, would say that it happened earlier <laughs> than that. Like when they had this, you know, when they sold Manhattan for whatever, 25 bucks, and they're like, what's, what's commerce? Um, so that was, I think they probably felt they got a raw deal too. But the pigs uh, were an early, definitely one of the earliest forms of gentrification. And they did. They were the, there was something uh, that the New York Times called the Great Piggery War of 1859, where they sent in uh, police to basically break up these pigsties and you know it wasn't just pigs like they would what is it like it's called awful o-f-f-a-l o-f-f-a-l yeah uh -huh. yeah and it's like rendered pigs. well it's yeah it's all of the it's all of the bits that Guts. you sort of don't eat so yeah. like when you're having like a liver pate liver is sort of awful but like more sweet like you know, sweet breads and yeah. things like that yeah um that's that's crazy so, so it, it was, smelled really bad they were pig yeah. oh yeah 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 I mean, there's still laws on the book when, because I, I, for a while, I was looking at like zoning regulations, like if I were going to start a distillery, because this is what I do at three o'clock in the morning when I'm <laughs> bored. Um, or should I start a, you know, a, a charcuterie factory or something? There are still laws on, on the books that are like, you can't be a larder, you can't render lard in this area. Uh, well, and, and I think that, I think that goes back to the uh, the great piggery, uh, piggery war of 1859, <laughs> you know, it was really like this, like, uh, public improvement, uh, uh, notion. And it was so that like New York city could push out the poor tenement farmers. And, and now that's like where Times Square is. That's where Broadway is. That's where, you still know, filled with of, a bunch of fucking pigs. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, <laughs> incidentally, like when I, I talk about this in chapter now it's billionaires row. It's like all of those new glass and steel towers oh, wow. that are like literally casting shadows on Central Park and like, you know, they're empty with, you know, all this foreign money that's like not people don't even live there. And like the buildings are kind of lemons. It turns out there's a big New York Times thing about that. Have you seen this picture? It's a black and white picture of Grand Central Station with uh, all the sunlight going into oh, yeah. the station. Yeah. yeah. And how it literally 
is it's not possible anymore because well, of all the buildings. Yeah. So what? Yeah, I have seen that. And what what was interesting is so the the new building right there is one Vanderbilt, and it's like the second or maybe not maybe the tallest building in New York City now. It's this huge building right at right next door to Grand Central. They tore down whatever building was there to build that, and there was this brief time in like 2016 where there was sunlight pouring in like it used to, and now there's a 1400 tall 1400 foot tall building next to us so that that was a very temporary <laughs> sort of callback uh to that to that like easier time uh with sunlight um but the, but the thing i would just say lastly about the pigs like getting evicted was like it like you know it's like too bad and like there was this funny thing where like the cops came in for the city and then the all of the pig farmers were irish so they like knew all the firemen and the firemen were like fighting against the cops to like, you know, like this, um, this, what was, uh, do you think that, that was, was pig? I, I mean, and I don't remember, I, I feel like I read at some point that pork was sort of not like, it, like if you were affluent, you had beef, you didn't eat pork. It was, yeah, um, no, I, yeah I think pig, pork was more of the, was like a peasant, not peasant farm, poor. Yeah, but it was it was not something that like like I love going to old um, the New York Public Library has these great archives of old menus Mm. from like the 1800s and things like that from the Waldorf Astoria from, you know, from places like that. And and I think if I'm remembering correctly, pork is sort of conspicuously absent on those. And I think it was just sort of mainly feed your family, feed your community. Yeah. um, Yeah, absolutely. With that sort of stuff. Uh, Go Sorry, ahead. a lot of no, the food ahead. that they were eating in the 1860s and stuff doesn't exist now, like yeah, like, like turtle the turtles. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. That was I was just gonna I was just mm-hmm. gonna mention that. Like I did some I did some menu research on my turtle chapter, and one of the crazy things they used to do is they would um, a restaurant would this is terrible, but uh, they would leave a big huge sea turtle on its back like wiggling outside a restaurant as a as a way to say this turtle is going to be cooked tonight oh yeah shit. I, I mean imagine going the, to shake shack and there's a fucking wait, cow but just no wait wait wait. it's not that different tom and i met at a steakhouse in queens where i used to work right. and there there's no a fucking lobster there. tank there's yeah, a lobster it's, tank it's, it's people lobster. pick out yeah, their lobster yeah. they say yeah. i want that one that's yeah, the I mean, same shit yeah that's true <laughs> nothing's <laughs> changed it's just a different <laughs> animal get the fuck out of here it's the same thing I you know how many lobsters I had to take with the tongs right. and put it and bring it down and then the, the chef then boil, down pop up, boil up. A lot. Yeah. yeah. I can't kill a lobster. I, I know. I, it's We've got not video my proof thing. That you can't yeah, it's real, it's real bad. <laughs> yeah, no, it's um yeah, that's that's a really great point because that turtle <laughs> thing totally seems barbaric, but so does the lobster. It's the same it's shit. The <laughs> Yeah. yeah, that's a great point. Well, when the lobsters are all extinct in 50 years, and lobsters gonna, don't die of old age. It's us. even more fucked up. That yeah. is, I, I mean, I'm gonna, yeah, I'm. If we keep talking about, it, I'll never have lobster again in my life. I know. Absolutely. I don't eat much lobster. Yeah, <laughs> and also, I just think it's funny too with lobster, like, um, like they're just bugs, you know? They're like yeah. really, <laughs> oh, totally. Yeah, like who, you know, like shrimp and lobster and oyster are like high gluten, oh. like high class food but like they're just but like they're not cockroaches they're yeah. so gross i like, mean I, an oyster let's talk that's a great segue to oysters because you got sure. a chapter um, do you have a, oh yeah i was gonna say if you yeah. have a chat oyster chapter he's got an oyster chapter yeah. you have to in new york yeah. because new york yeah. uh, the, the history of new york is tied to the history uh, or tied to the oyster in so many intricate Absolutely. ways it's just so intertwined so like talk a little bit about that like i know there's all these stories of you know the 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 first 
Europeans coming over here and seeing mm. these tall mounds yeah. of oyster shells. That's the first thing they saw when they when they landed in Manhattan, which is yeah, mounds were, and mounds of oyster shells. Like Yeah, they were called uh, middens, I think, yes. M-I-D-E-N-S. And so, yeah, so basically, um, and this is just like an, an, another way to shout out New York Harbor and like New York geography. Like New York geography is crazy. It's so uh, advantageous and unique and like, it's wonderful, right? Like you have this incredible harbor that like, if you had to, like there's no other harbor like it in the world, I don't think. And so, uh, and, and one of the uh, many benefits that harbor is that when Henry Hudson arrived in like 1609 or whenever it was, um, half of the world's oysters were said to be in New York Harbor, which is just That's crazy, staggering and crazy to think about. Um, and yeah, the Lenape who lived on Manhattan, they, they, what they would do is they would actually wrap the oysters in seaweed and then throw that on a fire and then it would kind of cook and open up and, yeah. and they were huge. They were like, you know, we have these, this idea of oysters sort of being like the size of like a business card or something, but uh, there are some reports that in and the, uh, the Gowanus Canal, which used to be the Gowanus Creek uh, or the Gowanus Brook, but it was a, it was a waterway that, that the canal mimics now in Brooklyn which is a, a toxic EPA super fun site, <laughs> yeah. uh, but it w- wasn't always. Um, they had, uh, it, was pr- it was a particularly good uh, oyster uh, habitat and they would grow to the size of dinner plates. Which yeah, just I mean, they were, they were feet long, like, yeah. like two, two or three feet long there they talk about. Yeah, so, and, and oh, well, so I was going to say like the, the way that like the hot dog is like kind of, you know, or the bagel or the pizza slice is like uh, synonymous with New York City cuisine. Like that was the oyster for a hundred years. You know, and it was like all you could eat oysters. It was, you know, oysters being sent all over the world. And, and we're talking about like those old menus, you know, like oyster, like uh, oysters were always at these big banquets and because they were. And this is like also like the story of New York's folly and to a larger extent, like America and everybody's ecological folly that it was like, well, this is probably never going to run out. Like, let's just yeah. harvest oysters forever. And like the good times are going to last forever. And like, of course that didn't happen. The other problem with the oysters was that um, we were talking earlier, there was no sanitation department. There was no wastewater department, you know, or strategy either. So, you know, quite literally we were shitting on the Harbor uh, every day. So we were taking all these oysters out and then shitting on everything that remained. And, you know, it's like, well, I can't believe this didn't work out forever. (laughs) I know. Well, and, and the thing is it like, you could almost do one or the other, right? Like, yeah, you can, yeah. You can leave all the oysters in there, and they will filter the shit. Yeah, <laughs> and, right. And they'll right. filter the harbor out for you because oysters right. are, are known filters. Um, you know, but you can't do both. You can't shit where you eat. <laughs> right. And I think that's important. That's the, if you know one thing about oysters, and you just you just alluded to it. It's like one oyster can can uh, filter fifty gallons of water a day. Yeah. Which is, some, which is insane, and that's uh, our friends at the Billion Oyster Project. That's, that's where they get that name. It's like a little bit of back of the envelope math. Like if we had a billion oysters and there's this many gallons of water in New York City <laughs> Harbor, then every three days, a billion oysters could clean the harbor. Now it's could not filter out the whole like harbor, right? Toxic heavy metals, but it like, it will do a, a, a great service to the city. Um, and I will just say back to, to cooking, Typhoid Mary was a cook, you know, like she was a chef. Like that's, wow. I was like one of the, she was like one of the, you know, she was, she was cooking uh, tainted oysters, uh, and, and, and like, was also like a carrier for typhoid, but all that came from 
basically shitting on oysters and, and <laughs> yeah well so typhoid mary where was she i mean i know a little bit about the history of typhoid yeah. mary um, i know nothing you know nothing i know i know the name she was the i don't original know original super spreader yeah. yeah she was the original super spreader she had typhoids but she was and, asymptomatic she never yes. like yeah so she didn't show it but she worked in the food service industry yeah. and she <laughs> which spread. is what irish female immigrants did you know yeah. like that was the job you could have you know yep so she's shucking oysters and cooking oysters and giving everybody typhoids, but she was asymptomatic and she didn't know it. And she was yeah. the original, she was the first time in sort of medical history that they found a super spreader. Super spreader. A patient yeah. zero, wow. right. And uh, she tried to change her name. I, uh, I, she didn't She didn't change it to this, but I always joke that she changed it to like typhoid Gretchen. No, she changed it to something else to get her. <laughs> I was going to say, it's, she changed it to gonorrhea Mary. Yeah. Or something like that. <laughs> like, this is not better, Mary. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But uh, the other, and this is like, uh, this is like, this ties into another chapter in my book, but the, um, she was actually quarantined uh, on a, on an island just off of LaGuardia uh, in between the Bronx and Queens in was sort it, of where the East River meets the Little Island's Brother out. Island or Big North Brother Island? Island. North Brother Island. Brother Island. Yeah. And that's, uh, and she, I think she died there. I think she was, she was kept there until her death. And the whole time she was like, I never had typhoid. Like, why am I here? And yeah. North Brother Island is this like, sick uh very cool island um in its own right because it was this quarantine hospital and it was like this tiny little mini city with like street lamps and basketball courts and hospitals and schools that we just kind of left in the 1960s we didn't have any use for it and it it's like this post-apocalyptic thing like the pictures of chernobyl like the nature has taken back over and is like actually like pulling down some of the buildings in some places it's crazy it's so crazy. Cool. I know people that do kayak trips because you're not allowed there. You're not, you're not allowed, allowed there at all. Yeah. So like no boat will take you there. You're not allowed no. to go anywhere near there. No, I wrote to the parks department. I was like, hey, I'm writing a book. And they're like, yeah. I was like, can I get out there? They're like, not a chance. <laughs> Good luck with your book, you know? Um, but it's because it's a really, it's become a really uh, important uh, bird sanctuary. As well. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Well, that's, yeah. I mean, that's also the story of New York, right? Like it's, yeah. let's, let's, you know, there's something that is taken over by nature and then becomes a bird sanctuary or, or people, you know, destroy bees and now they're maintaining well, bees on their rooftops to try to help things, you know. Yeah, along. no, the, bee, the bees are another really important, uh, like crossover between wildlife and food. So when you were talking about like, you can't like all these weird rules on the books, you couldn't uh have a beehive or, or you know like a, i guess yeah like a beehive uh up until like 2010 there and the it was it was like considered like a an exotic animal and i was doing some research and it was like they had a list of like contraband animals that you couldn't keep and bees were on the same list as like uh polar bear and it was like well wait a minute <laughs> <laughs> like, like so it was a little short-sighted, but um, but that got reversed, and now there's like a, there's a beekeeping like explosion in the city, and it's so good, um, you know, just for your your one-off plants and just our parks and everything else. But uh, my favorite is this organization called Brooklyn Grange, which is a rooftop farm. Mm -hmm. I've got at least three locations. I got one near me in the Navy Yard, and they have to have like tons of hives to like make that uh you know agricultural machine go um, it's crazy go ahead Mike. there's a there's a cop nypd cop who oh yeah he was like the b cop oh yeah 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 and um 
He lives in Regal Park. I know we would go to the same this gym. Is, this is like there's two. Oh, of them. that's not the. Oh yeah, okay. I don't there's know that a, guy. I know a, the other guy. There's a black guy and an Italian guy. Yeah, I know and the Italian guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, yeah, no, I've seen him in action. I was walking through Times Square one time, yeah. and he's got like a NYPD beekeeping outfit. Mm-hmm. It's like, and he puts yeah. the thing on, and it's and like. A, 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 a hive of bees decides when they're too big. Like these are just also just fully like a crazy, uh, really interesting, like super organism, a eusocial organism. Um, so they like make decisions collectively as a hive, like when they need a new queen, when they need to split up. So they'll just decide like, okay, like this hive, this colony is too big. We got to split. And, uh, they'll go anywhere to start a new hive. And sometimes in this case, this, this illustration of the book is from a photograph that I took. They go to like a Sabret hot dog stand and like start a hive there. Cause like, that makes sense to them on like 43rd street. And like, you know, that's I mean, where nobody, nobody wants, wants to be here. Nobody wants yeah, to go yeah. to Times Square. So the bee cop comes in and he's like, get you out of here. Yeah. <laughs> but the truly craziest story, and I, I don't want to get too long on this, but this is, I, I didn't get too deep into this, in the, into the book, but there was a guy who was growing, uh, growing. He was keeping bees on his roof in Red Hook. He notices one day that his that his that his honey is like bright, bright red, and it's super. Oh, sugary. I love this story. Yeah, this we love story. this story. Yeah. So, and he like he, and they bring in the EPA and they bring in all these people. And they're like, oh, you know, it's the same red dye that goes in maraschino cherries. And then like down the block is the maraschino cherry factory. So they like go there and they're like, oh yeah, you have these vats that are like unsecured. So the bees were getting into that, and you're like, oh, that's really interesting in its own right but there's more. Uh, the EPA is like, actually the DEA wants to join us on one of our trips because we think there's like a drug facility going on in there. They, they go into this guy's place and in the, on the bottom floor, like in the basement, there's like a football field of marijuana plants. I remember that story. Oh, and it's like, Wait, this is the, the beekeeper? The, or yeah, the, the maraschino, maraschino, the maraschino cherry, cherry. The maraschino cherry. But, but they were tipped off okay. by the bees. But they were tipped it, yeah, off by the word. bees. The bees narked on them. <laughs> it's... <laughs> It's a crazy story. It's a really crazy story. Oh man! But like that's the you know that's like one of these like you know that's the that's that's wildlife. Like you're like wildlife's gonna uncover things you don't want it to do, and like they're gonna you know like you can't tell a bee to go to like eat organic. They're gonna eat like what's available and like right. what works for them. You know, <laughs> if you leave vats of sugar unattended, they're like, yeah, we'll we'll work with that. That's cool. Yeah. I think uh, so. I I love that story, but I think the the one chapter and we'll talk about it real quick i know we're, we're running a little bit long here but like one of my favorite things to to catch and to eat is striped bass oh sure and there's a whole chapter on striped bass right is there a chapter yeah no there bass, absolutely yeah. is and that's another one of these things that like you know in retrospect like i almost didn't i didn't know to include it and then I, I i did thank god and it's like in retrospect like you couldn't write a book about new york city wildlife without including something about striped bass like they're just as important as like oysters and raccoon or um, oysters and beavers and 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 pigeons and and you know some of the other very important animals but yeah what, what was so interesting to me about the striped bass and i've actually i've had the opportunity and this was years and years and years ago to fish on the East river. Uh, like with my uncle, we went on a charter boat, like left at like 28th street. And I'm like cast online, like outside the United nations. And yeah. and we caught fish and, and we ate them and, and we're still, and we're alive to tell it. Um, Your but, third eye though is, is starting <laughs> to show a little. Yeah, the yeah. tail doesn't, <laughs> it, it only hurts in the winter. But um, what was so amazing to me is like really the numbers 
uh, is that what we have happening in New York City and, and out in Long Island and like up the Hudson and, 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 and to other parts of the East Coast, but specifically where we are today, especially uh, in the New York City rivers, so you have like a massive animal migration happening, but you just don't see it, you know, because it's under the water. Mm-hmm. And one of the guys I quote, um, who's a professor at Queens College, was like, you know, if you could, you know, if there was a transparent view of the, of the river, the, the parade of fish would be staggering. And I think people would probably go out and look at it. I mean, it, I, but I just think because it's happening in a way that we can't see, we're just not aware of it. And that's, you know, not to like plug like the book's message, but that's sort of the point of the book is like, there are all these things happening in the city and like, you know, maybe you would be less careless uh, with our trash and our pollution and how we vote and like what we eat and what we do when we realize like, man, there really are all these other things living in the city with us. Yeah, um, yeah. One of my big, one of my big, big like uh, takeaways. And I, I always joke, like if you have one thing to take away from the book and then I, I could name like one of 20 things, but one of those things is uh, balloons. Uh, when people let balloons go, which is like bad practice anyway. But what happens in New York is that New York actually has a lot of rare sea turtles, like Caribbean, like Finding Nemo-like turtles are moving through New York Harbor all the time, like big ones, endangered ones. And if a balloon gets in the water, uh, a turtle will mistake that for a jellyfish and then go into like, uh, oh, was it like no. gastrointestinal no. Like crisis Shocker, or something? Yeah. And there's a turtle. They're buying another balloon. No, I know. And it's like, uh, I, it's hard for me to like, I want to like go up to little kids in the park, but then I think I'd be a monster. <laughs> like, you want to pop their balloons? <laughs> yeah. Hey, have you seen Finding Nemo, kid? <laughs> um, <laughs> but, but yeah, there's like a turtle hospital out in Long Island that uh, at the Riverhead, uh, in Riverhead, Long Island, they got a new name. They used to be called the Riverhead Foundation. But um, yeah, they're like, yeah, we deal with that a couple times a year where we have like this super huge rare sea turtle that you would never expect to be in New York in the first place, but it is. And we're pulling out like a happy birthday balloon out of its throat if yeah. we get to it in time, you know? So, but that's it's, the connection. It's, really, it's really amazing. Yeah. Like exactly what you're saying. Like you don't know, I mean, there are, there are whales just off the coast of the Rockaways. There are, I mean, it, the, the, the traffic that comes through here is it, it i wish people could see it i wish people knew a little bit more about it you know? yeah well that's my hope right i mean and I'll, I'll say about the whales it's not it's it's usually more by the rockways but they will come into uh the rivers like the, uh there was one in the hudson river and one in the east river yeah just just this past winter right just there this were, year yeah, yeah. and then the, the time before that was 2016 but the time before 2016 was like probably 1840 i mean like, you know yeah. it's been a really long time so the five-year gap is nothing because the previous gap was probably decades. So it really is. Um, and, and they're here because of Menhaden. We, I, I know we've talked about that, uh, how important that fish is. Um, bunker. Bunker fish. <laughs> like they, they attract the seals. We have a ton of harbor seals in New York. There's an island off the coast of Staten Island that was another quarantine hospital for when people would come to Ellis Island. If they were too sick, they would be sent back to these islands to you know, die or, uh, or get well enough to, to finally get passage to Manhattan. Um, and then that got, we don't need that anymore. So that kind of got abandoned. And now there are like a hundred seals that live on this island. <laughs> like you can see it from, I mean, you can see it from the Verrazano Bridge. It's, it's pretty wild, but they're here for the Menhaden. And then the seals are bringing the sharks, you know? So it's like this, there is like a lot really there's happening. There's a circle of life. Yeah, man, it yeah, really is. It's, it's, I, I mean, I, and that's, so like, I'm just to, to tie it all back, like I, I everybody knows I'm not a vegetarian. I am not uh, like, I'm a, I am a meat eater. I am a fish eater, yeah, but I feel here. like, 
but I try to, but I try to think about those things and eat responsibly. Like, you know, I've cut down my, my consumption of beef because I know that they're, they're not raising beef anywhere around here. I know the, right. you know, and I know how they raise beef and I know that it's not a good thing. And, you know, it's a personal choice that I made. I'm not saying everyone should ban beef or whatever, but like there no, are personal choices of... that can be made yeah. based on, based on this knowledge, based on the knowledge yeah. of the things that are out there, you know, yeah, no, I, and the effect I completely... that it has. You know, and, and, and you were just touching on like where it comes from and stuff like that. And I think, you know, I just to, to circle back to Brooklyn Grange and the, the idea of rooftop farms, I'm like, so I'm so big on rooftop farms because, you know, it's not only like, um, it's not only like, I don't even know what organic means anymore these days, but like, it's basically produce that is not trucked here from, you know, like they don't need the gas to get here, you know, like, so if that kale and that cabbage is grown in the Navy yard, and then being sold at Wegmans like next door, like the carbon footprint on that is a lot lower than even the most organic stuff grown out of state because it's simply because they're not driving, here, you know, like, and that, you know, I don't know, like you have to have a lot of rooftop gardens and farms to, to feed New York City. But um, I do believe every little bit helps. And, and one other thing that I think is really interesting about the rooftop gardens, and, and I, I will get off this because I can talk about this forever, is that they <laughs> capture a lot of rain. And anytime the rain gets captured and doesn't mix with the sewer, that means less shit, literal shit going into the river, which is then good for the fish. So, I mean, it really is like uh, uh, something we should be doing more of both with green roofs for sure. Yeah. Well, well, Tom, I, I, thanks for thanks for spending time. We're running yeah, out of time this is here. Great. It's my pleasure. I mean, Thank you, Tom. Awesome. I, Thank Tom, you, man. We, it was really great talking to both of you. We got to have you come back for a segment. Uh, like, you should do a, a, a monthly segment on like Anytime. what food that's safe to eat, <laughs> or, or what seagulls sound like. <laughs> <laughs> I, I saw the seagull in the park the other day, and he sounded like he had an Australian accent. I don't know what's going on with that seagull. Um, but Tom, man, thank thank you very much. And, thank you guys. Uh, you know, we're, we're, we're happy to, to have you back anytime to, to oh, geek man. out about yeah, anytime. Just let me know. food in New York. Real thrill. All right. Mike, we'll be right See back. <laughs> and I'm waving on an audio podcast. <laughs> Bye. You wanna, do you want to do and we're back? Yeah, of course. Go ahead. Do and we're back. And we're back. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Not A Foodie Show. I hope you guys all enjoyed our interview with Thomas Hine. I know I did. Uh, super, super cool dude. It was like he was, had been hanging out with us for like years, not like for five minutes. Dude, Tom Hines is one of my favorite people that I worked with. Um, we, one year at South by Southwest, just um, we hijacked a, a taco truck. We, we basically, we were drinking down in Austin and we were hanging out and it was like two or three in the morning. And um, I, I forget what we, we were taking some videos because he and I were doing this video series for the, for the company that we were working for. We were doing sort of like live news reports from, from South by Southwest. And I said, you know, we, we need to get a shot of like us in a taco truck. And he's like, I, I turned around and I turned around again and he was in a taco truck serving people tacos. And I was like, you know what? I'm not even jumping in the taco truck. I'm just going to take photos of Tom just handing out tacos to people on, you know, sixth street in Austin. Um, but no, he's, he's, he's an awesome dude and everybody should go check out that book. I mean, I know it was a lot about um, more about animals than about eating animals, but um, it's, I think it's such a, it's such an important topic. Like I'm always a big, fan like i said in the in the during the interview like it of knowing what i'm eating and knowing where it's coming from and that's sort of been the ethos behind the whole not a foodie blog when i first started mm -hmm. it was 
was no satel eating, making sure that you're not wasting anything and just being mindful of, of all of that. So, um, I was, I was happy to talk to him about wildlife. And also whenever I can learn more about like New York's history, I'm yeah. always really into it. Oh man. There's, there's some great books out there about the history of food in New York, like big well, oyster, big oyster is a really good, it's like big meatball. Um, <laughs> big oyster is a really good book about like oyster, the, the history of oysters and the history of New York and how like it just coincides with one another. It's really cool. Um, but like, I, like what, what do you, what was the most interesting thing that you. The whole pig thing. Yeah. That is yeah, super the, cool. Yeah, the pig, the pig thing is crazy. Like, it's hard to think like, you know, going uptown back then meant like going above 8th Street. I mean, even my, my friend's dad is a native New Yorker who's like in his 70s. And he was uh telling us the same thing. He was like, uptown was like midtown. Yeah. Like, like, as they built the subway, that's what uptown was. Yeah, I mean, New York was built from the bottom up. And if you look at, you know, like the, the oysters... Um, were such a big part of New York that a lot of the street names downtown are named for oysters. So like Pearl Street downtown is named for oysters and all of the, instead of paving downtown in the Wall Street area, they had crushed oyster shells on the streets. Um, so anyway, it was awesome to have Tom. I can't wait to, for him to come back. Um, he's also, we also both like the Mets, which I know you don't, but so I'm looking forward to going to a baseball game with him. I'm very down to go to a Mets game if, uh, they're at 10% capacity at both stadiums. Oh yeah. Cause I just want to go see baseball and there's only going to be so much baseball able to see. I hear you. All right. Well, let's, <laughs> uh, let's close it out, man. What, uh, I, I, I feel like we got to do a, what are you drinking? We got to go yeah. back to that. I liked it. What are you drinking tonight? So, Mike? Um, I think this is maybe the most underrated style of beer. Okay. Uh, it's a German Schwarz beer. Mm -hmm. which is black beer, but it's not a stout. It's not a porter. It's like a, almost like a lager with stout characteristics. Mm -hmm. So in this weather where it's like one minute, it's like 30 degrees, one minute, it's 50 degrees. You're not really sure how to dress or anything. It's like really, really perfect for the weather. And I, and they're delicious. Are are you drinking like a very specific brand or is it just, Oh, I'm just going to go see what they got. I I don't, I haven't had one where I'm like, holy shit, this is like the best one ever. I think they're all pretty light, like a, like a good Pilsner is a good Pilsner. I don't think there's like a, like world-class, like best Pilsner ever. The Germans are going to fucking come at me, but whatever. Um, So that, that's how I feel about Schwartz beer. That's what you're drinking. Mm -hmm. Nice. Um, I've been I've been really going down rabbit holes with um with American whiskeys. So mm-hmm. I feel like um you know I've got some go-to bourbons and ryes and I like scotches and I like you know Japanese whiskeys and things like that but like American whiskeys are there no two are the same. I mean it's we don't have the crazy laws aside from like bourbon has to be made in you know Kentucky. No it doesn't. Um, well, that, bourbon, that's a lie. Bourbon County to be no, called that, a bourbon. No, that's not true. No, that's yeah. not true. It has to okay. be fifty-one percent corn mash. That's it. And it has to be oaked in uncharred barrels. Yeah, that yeah. stuff. But there's no geographical laws for it. That's uh, a lie. All right. I'm sorry. I lied. I I don't. A common misconception. I don't, I don't actually. necessarily believe that. I think. You, that listen, some... I Tom. I'll bet you a billion dollars. 
I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not that confident because I, <laughs> I just apologize for it. So I'm not that confident. <laughs> but anyway, um, the, because, because of the, because we're not like Germany with like the beer brewing. The Reinheitsgebot. Yes, exactly. Um, or Chianti with wines or Bordeaux or things like that. You can have different types of whiskeys all over the place. So you, you, you know, that environment makes for a lot of really cool mixes of things in the distilling world. So Balcones, do you know Balcones? No, no familiarity. Balcones is, um, they, they won maybe 10 to 15 years ago. They won a blind taste test for their Scotch style whiskey against actual Scotch whiskeys from Scotland. And they won this taste test and they are a distillery from Texas. Nice. And, you, you know, know where and, uh, no, I've never been, but I've never been to, to their distillery. I, I'm not sure exactly where they are, but, but I've been drinking their whiskey for, you know, uh, more than a decade. Um, but that, that, you know, sort of signature, um, blend, the, the Texas single malt whiskey is, you know, it's good and I really like it, but they've been doing some really other like interesting things. So I've got two cheap bottles from nice. them. One of them is their pot still bourbon whiskey, which has like, it's, it's like 35 bucks a bottle. It's like nothing. Perfect. And it's, um, it's a really good, deep sort of caramelly um, bourbon. And then the other thing that they have is they've got a baby blue corn whiskey where they use blue corn and it's very young and it's very sweet and corn tasting. And it's sort of, as someone who drinks um, bourbon quite a bit, it shows you like what, that looks like what it what an immature bourbon tastes like and it's know? not white right it's no not it's like not a... white it's aged it's aged mm -hmm. so but it's but it's um it's young but it's very corn i don't know if there's anything in it except corn mash like i think mm -hmm. it might just be a full corn mash i'm not sure um but anyways that's what that's what i've been drinking and balcones you are not a sponsor of this podcast so yeah um this is free advertising for you so this is me fishing for, for either a free bottle of your stuff or um, for you guys to come on the podcast or more importantly for you to sponsor us or to invest in Mikey Pomodoro's um, bourbon Italian restaurant. That's, the, that's really the move. <laughs> All right, Mike. Um, yep. I've got nothing else to add. Get your vaccines. Yes. Get your get vaccine, vaccine so, so we can, can get the go, world open. Yes, so we can go to eat in restaurants and not put yep. people in danger. Yeah, that's right. it. Get your. I got my first one. Nice, nice. Yeah. I could see. I could see the uh, the tail growing yep. out of it. Just, yeah. Third eye. <laughs> All right, man. Um, well, that's the show. Thanks. Goodbye. See ya.